what are they doing as an audience? Well, we remove two major friction points that exist on any website. Loading times, whether you're headless or not, loading times. And number two is the number of clicks to the checkout, right? We shrink that down from on average 10 to 14 for a given brand to one to two to three clicks. Both those those friction points removed, conversion rate minimum 40% higher than what are gonna be on the website. Welcome back to Bite Size. I'm super excited today. I've got um, Neil on the podcast. Neil um, is at Tapcart, a mobile app company that we work with and most of our brands work with. Neil, stoked to have you on. Welcome to Bite Size. How are you doing today? Hey, Daniel, so excited to be here. You have no idea. Love the work you do. So excited to have this conversation. I appreciate that, man. I appreciate it. So um, quickly, as a, as, a, as a way of an introduction, um, who are you, what do you do, and what is Tapcart? Yeah, so uh, my name is Neil. I am a team lead of the brand experience team on the enterprise and strategic level here at Tapcart. I work with the uh, Shopify Plus brands uh, that are looking to explore a mobile app. And where that typically, uh, that conversation will start is understanding like what the specific areas a brand is looking to solve, specifically on the retention side. So as a part of my role here, my goal is to meet with individual brands, understand what their existing retention strategy is, see the areas that need to be optimized for and solved for, and then helping them execute and launch an app that is going to solve those various challenges, whether it's on retention, customer experience, or acquisition. Amazing. That sounds, that's a lot. Um, so for anyone who isn't aware of like mobile apps or Tapcart or anything else, you, you mentioned kind of customer experience and retention. What is the purpose of having a mobile app? What's the benefit to a brand? How should they be thinking about where to implement a mobile app into their broader marketing ecosystem? Um, first, when we think about like the why behind an app and the value it could potentially bring, first understanding like backing up to where those users are visiting that brand. And we know the vast majority of traffic, 80, 90% of that brand's traffic is happening on mobile, right? So this is where was, we want to make it like, um, build a scenario where how can we build the best possible experience on mobile? And when you think of mobile browsers, right? Brands spend so many re so much resources into, you know, improving their website, improving site speed, improving the actual experience there. But at the end of the day, for lack of a better term, Mobile websites are really tough to get it to be an optimal experience for the customer, right? Um, there are friction points that just really are struggle to get solved for. And so now when you think about that, like how can we optimize the experience so that for that loyal shopper, for that customer that already loves the brand and has a connection with the brand, now just has a much more seamless experience, right? And as a result of that seamless experience, they end up coming back more frequently, they end up um, you know, shopping more frequently, they end up, you know, having higher AOBs because of that better experience, conversion rates as that cohort go up in a bigger way. And ultimately LTV is that end goal, right? So it really comes down to understanding the mobile experience. And then how do I get my loyal customers into a certain part of the funnel or a channel that's going to design, be designed to give them the best possible experience and allow them to, you know, embrace the brand or develop a deeper connection with that brand. Yeah, that makes sense. So if I'm getting it right, it's it's more of a loyalty, retention, customer experience play. So it's it's not a net new customer acquisition play potentially. Um, so what is, what are some of the like specific things that a mobile app allows you to do that that you've seen? And maybe there's an example like that allow brands to really build on that customer experience and customer loyalty point that an app allows. That you know, if I think of traditional methods, it's like 
loyalty programs, email, SMS, subscription programs, those types of things. What, what does an app provide that those traditional methods don't provide? When you think about, um, you know, getting your loyal audience into a channel that's built for them, you think of their website, it's built for anyone and everyone that's willing to potentially buy from that brand, right? Anyone who comes, let's hope that they convert and ultimately become a lifelong customer. But then when you think of the app, who is going to be downloading that app is probably, although it certainly can be used at the top of funnel as a strategy, but it's generally designed for that more loyal base, that more engaged base. So this is the opportunity for you to actually bring that loyal base and curate a unique experience that's speaking specifically to that top 30% of your customers, giving them that kind of uh, VIP type of experience or exclusive experience that they could not get anywhere else, right? Um, and I think that's, that's the largest thing here. So when it comes to like what makes an app successful, it's really not just about e-commerce. Just because it's easier to buy doesn't mean that's enough value to drive traffic to your app. It really comes down to like, how do I create a deeper branded experience with the customer? How do I get more personalized with that customer? How do I um, provide recommendations to that customer that they wouldn't be getting in any other channel? Um, when you think about who is that customer that's going to download, um, I think that's a big doubt for brands. It's like, who would download my app? And um, the reality is, is that when you look at the other like retention channels, whether it's email or SMS, for instance, it's literally that audience. So they, they an app down uh, user falls into that same part of the funnel as an email subscriber and SMS subscriber. The difference is, is you know, email pointing to a website, website maybe converting at you know two and a half percent and bringing back that user one and a half times at best on a monthly basis. Same thing with an SMS, posting, pushing to that website, two and a half percent conversion rate and bringing them back one and a half to two times per month on a, on a monthly basis. When you think of an app, we're not living in a browser. We're not living in an email inbox or text thread. You're living directly on the home screen of the user's device. And so this is the part where the brand has the opportunity to capitalize on those valuable real estate that they can know someone's home, home screen, right? And that's what's going to promote so many more clicks into the brand that they could possibly achieve through a website, right? And it's just, it's, it's a function of the real estate where, where they're living. That makes sense. And and on that point then is, is another kind of like sub benefit is, you know, we, we live in a world now where there's data loss happening in platform when it comes to like customer acquisition with Facebook, TikTok, everything else. So within, within an app environment, for anyone who doesn't kind of understand tracking pieces, does that provide you with that full clarity of who that customer is? So you are not losing any data when they're in that in-app environment? Absolutely, right? And so we're talking in real time with brands, Shopify stores, but also all of the customer data, whether on the app side or the website side is synced and living inside Shopify. But then the other parts of like where an app can be used in a really creative way from a data collection perspective is like classic example, post-purchase, right? Post-purchase, uh, whether it's surveys, whether it's other tools that are going to drive those app downloads. And then we're collecting and analyzing all of that behavior and sending it back through Clavio, right? So the, the, you know, the, the brand has the opportunity to aggregate that data, segment that data, and then potentially leverage that data in other channels like email or SMS. But even cooler on the app side is collect that data and then send them push down a different push notification journey, depending on who that customer is, what their behavior is, what data you collected from them as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, a, a question as I come to think of it, this is super insightful. So people in the in-app in -app environment, um, 
Is there, a, is there then a segregation against those users from receiving things like email and SMS? Do you, what have you seen brands do that's most effective? Do you think, well, they're in my in-app environment, so I'm going to only communicate to them here, or do they still receive other email SMS messaging? Like what, what's the best composition of, of ways of communication? Cause I can see the benefit of that one-to-one in-app experience, but do you only do that? Or is it beneficial to have multiple streams of communication to them? Well, there's strong theories on both ends of that spectrum, right? Um, first part, um, I'm a huge believer uh, that retention is a flywheel and you should be leveraging all owned cha- owned channels, right? You own your email subscribers, you own your SMS subscribers, and you own your app users, right? So I feel like all of those can be used in tandem with one another. It's not necessarily that one is better than the other. It's actually... How, how can you mix your messaging and hit your customer from different channels and different customers have different ways they prefer to interact, right? So it's about using all of those retention flywheels to get a sense for what that customer prefers, right? Now, where that can backfire is if you're saying that you're sending the same message via email, same message via SMS, and same message via push notification, and now it's a redundancy, right? Where the customer is just getting inundated with the same message. But the most effective strategy is where you're kind of tailoring your messaging uh, uh, through different touch points. When you think of SMS, you think of, um, you know, it works historically, you know, fairly well for brands. Um, um, it's meeting customers right where they are on the, on their mobile device. Um, but the challenge to SMS has been, if you look at like, I'd say 95% of brands leveraging it, it's very transactional in nature. Here's a promotion, here's a sale, here's a discount. Um, it's very transactional in nature. And why does it happen with SMS? It's because a largely due to the SMS costs, right? So when you think of the cost, if you have, um, you know, 200,000 SMS subscribers, and let's say you're sending two messages a week, you're probably spending anywhere from two to 3,000 a week on SMS you know, campaigns and in north of $10,000 a month, right? So you're paying percent. Therefore, it's almost forced by its model to be transactional, see the ROI in every single message you send, right? Whereas when you think of push notifications, they're unlimited and free, right? You have the, they have the same open rate as SMS. They just don't cost anything, right, to do. So you, you are now speaking to the other end of the spectrum. You are seeing brands who are more cost conscious with their tech stack than ever before. We're in the most margin focused D2C economy imaginable that we've seen to date. So at TapGuard, uh, we we say that about that we see about sixty to seventy percent of our brands find that they are a- able to actually scale back on their SMS budget just a little bit by like about twenty percent because they got those twenty percent of their SMS subscribers downloaded their app and they don't have to pay to send them a message anymore, right? So it, uh, they work really well together because every customer is different. But at, on the flip side it can also work as a cost savings me- uh, metric right now, right? So with brands who are looking to scale back up in costs, it just find it, it just, they're able to see that same ROI, if not better, because of the higher conversion rate associated with an app um, um, and and are not paying percent, right? Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Um, what, are the, what are the common misconceptions around building an app, right? Because, you know, if I even think back to, you know, brands we've worked with going back like three, four years, it was like, it's expensive. It's really difficult. Launching it costs a lot of money. The maintenance costs a lot of money. Um, 
what are some of some of the misconceptions you still see in the market and i guess um how does tapcart solve for that um i'm yeah. not a super te- tech savvy person maybe i shouldn't admit that but like the so no code is seen as like a a big benefit why is that a benefit so the first part is you know a common misconception is is an app right for me right or for my brand and many brands have the misconception that I need to be a, a they need to be of a certain size in revenues to determine if an app is going to be successful. Not true at all. In fact, very small brands can be wildly successful with an app. The gauge for where we see a brand is an ideal fit for an app is: do they have at least fifteen percent of their revenue coming from a repeat customer? If that answer is yes, then they're an amazing fit regardless of their revenue base. Because you have to think about. Who is that? Is that customer likely to download? If they're a repeat customer, they're more likely to download. If you don't have a repeat customer base, they're not going to download. So we see these huge mega brands. They sell mattresses, right? They're not a. They're usually not the best fit for for an app, right? Because it's a one and done purchase. But when you think of fashion, beauty, self care, when you think of even home furniture or anything, any of these other segments where you're going to see repeat purchases, as long as fifteen percent are coming from a repeat purchase, you're a great candidate for an app, right? On the, fl- on the second part where you say, you know, the misconception of an app, it's expensive. It takes a long time. It's going to take a huge lift, right, uh, in order to launch this thing and make it successful. So historically, that's exactly been the case, right? So when you think of, you know, hiring a developer, um, getting a quoted a six-figure budget, the costs associated with that maintenance, the time to launch, the time to see the ROI, these are all traditionally, when you think of brands and as successful as they've been, they're all really lean teams, right? Um, so so that's been a pretty heroic lift, right, uh, for that brand. So enter, you know, a company like Tapcard, where we kind of take that whole model and turn it upside down. And we say, we have this platform that has no code. We're going to love, from the moment you say you're, you want to start, we'll have that app live in under two weeks, live on the app store in under two weeks, right? We are going to do all of the lift to everything for you. You're not going to have to lift a finger. And we're going to be your strategy partner in making it success. So think of the thousands of brands we work with. We have this bird's eye view of data sets that say this works, this doesn't work. We're going to leverage all of those learnings and give it to you in ongoing strategic advice. So we're straight up set up with zero upfront costs and just a subscription. If no one downloads your app, you're just going to turn the lights off the tap card. You're just going to turn the lights off. Right, so it puts a pressure on us to leverage all that data to give you that data to make it a success. So, um, you know, historically now the lift is is effectively minimized. And then, lastly, why have agencies historically been reluctant to explore apps? Right, agencies are usually mostly focused on the web side of the equation. Um, many agencies may have previously viewed Tapcard as a competitor, like, oh, I could you know, custom build this for my client myself, or I can introduce them to a no-code solution where they, they feel like they may be losing out on something. The, the reality is how many of those brands can afford a quarter million dollar budget uh, up front. So they end up not doing it. And, and as a result, you know, they lose the power of having an app. Tapcart loses, agency loses, everyone kind of loses. So then about, about six months ago, we launched something called Custom Blocks which basically says we have the software to be able to build 99% of your app. But in the event you want to custom develop anything, we have the ability for any agency you hire of your choice to go custom develop a feature on top of your app with TapCard using our SDK. And that that basically makes the possibilities infinite. 
brand wins because they get the power of an app. Tapcart wins because you have another amazing merchant on your platform. And the agency wins because you have the opportunity to provide a value-added service that you previously couldn't do before because now you have a much more bite-sized revenue or, or, or budget uh, associated with the custom block feature, right? Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. That makes a ton of sense. I think a lot of those barriers to entry are like, it's not just the, the costs associated in the team to build. It's um, It's like, well, what should the experience be? Do you see what I mean? Like, what's the real benefit? Why am I doing that? I remember a phase, again, it was a couple of years back. It was, people were talking about apps, but they didn't really know why they were doing it. Right? I think, and, and it's it's really good to see. And we've seen this a lot. I think some of the points you mentioned are really important around this level, 15% of repeat customers, these types of verticals, where there's a high repeat customer rate. I think if, you, if you're a brand that has some of those dynamics in play, and you're not leveraging a mobile app. I mean, we've seen it to be hugely beneficial for a lot of our brands, um, especially fashion brands. If I'm honest with you, they seem to do really well in in um, in a mobile app environment. Um, so again, maybe some of this has been discussed, but you know, if I'm a brand, let's say I've got 15% of my you know 15% repeat customer rates. I don't currently have a mobile app. I want to develop one. What have you seen as like really good examples of brands that then develop on and, and moving customers into that environment, right? Because it's a process that you have to go through of saying, hey, we've got this thing now, which is an app, which is beneficial because of X, Y, and Z. We know we know this, the selfish things from a brand perspective, but from a consumer perspective, are there any kind of like things to really pay attention to or examples where brands have done that really well to move people into that environment yeah absolutely um um you know for instance uh let's use the example obvi ron and nash from obvi um they've done an amazing job you know building community building a, a brand that has scaled in a massive way in a really short period of time when you think about like what they're leveraging their app for their incentive to move the app to the users to the app is to further enhance that community. So it kind of speaks to like, why an app? Is it just another channel to check out on? If that was the case, then it's not really giving a whole lot of incentive to the customer to go take that step to download it. So what kind of experience, what kind of content are you going to immerse in them? What kind of feeling of a community are you building in a deeper way with that loyal audience that you couldn't do through other channels, right? So Ron and Ash from Obvi are great examples from that. Uh, Same thing with True Classic, Ben... Um, uh, you know, I know quite well, he's, uh, obviously a masterclass in so many different ways and the brand is a masterclass in so many different ways. But again, as it pertains to their app with AppCart, they have, um, they're continue optimizing. I think one thing that Ben says is like, continue to be evaluating your processes and your operations and continue to optimize. And he has this amazing roadmap and process for the way he goes about doing that. And now as the app has become a bigger part of their strategy, um, I think they're looking to continue to enhance the experience even further, right? So uh, I think initially when they launched the app, it was kind of more transactional focused, more of a like a, a deeper dive, you know, better customer shopping experience. But as they are continuing to evolve the app, it's about like, how do we build a greater sense of community, right? Um, and I think that's what's, what it's going to come down to. And you think of any, any brand that's looking to say, how do I create that experience? Right now they have this content, content's like here, 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 all over the place. Whereas the app can serve as this hub where it bridges the gap between content and e-com, right? Where it wouldn't be on the website, can't be on the website because of the weight 
that it carries, but that problem doesn't translate over onto the app side. Yeah. Yeah. So it makes sense. Um, yeah, the Obby guys, uh, big fans of both of them, good friends of mine as well. They, they're doing a great job of that. And, and, and just for anybody who isn't super aware of some of this, um, measurement is a big piece. We mentioned earlier, like, well, in that app environment, you don't lose customer data. How do you, how do you measure that success? What's, what's the data that comes out of Tapcar or a mobile app in general? Is there specific tracking you have to have in place? I'm guessing it all just sticks with Shopify in terms of sales and it's tracked through. I mean, I, I kind of know, but for anybody who doesn't know, like what's the tracking element? How do they make sure that it's actually driving upside versus, um, you know, just shifting revenue from one place to another place? Absolutely. You're speaking to incrementality, right? The incrementality and how you track that and see the analytics. Um, first step is like, you know, I would invite, a, you know, kind of like a strategy or uh, exercise. I would invite any brand listing to go do is, you know, pull up your Google analytics or, uh, over the last 90 days or pull up your Shopify analytics over the last 90 days. At the top of that analytics, you're going to screen, you're going to see a certain number of sessions that are coming to the website on a monthly basis or over that 90 day period. And then inside that same box, inside Shopify Analytics, you're going to see a certain number of visitors, right? So, you know, certain number of sessions coming from a certain number of visitors, right? When you take the sessions figure divided by the number of visitors, I'm willing to bet right now that that number for almost every brand that does this exercise is going to be somewhere around 1.2 to 1.3. 1.2 sessions per user or 1.3. If you're over 1.3, you're a god, but I doubt it, right? So, so, so with that said, why is that means that the average visitor is visiting the brand 1.3 times or 70% of your users are not making a repeat visit inside that same 30 day window, right? That's okay. That's nothing speaking against what the brand has done. That's just a function of what a website is, right? Now, when you think of getting that user to download an app, you're living on their home screen, you're leveraging push at minimum, an app is going to three X that sessions per user figure. In other words, the user is going to end up clicking into the brand, into the brand's icon, 3x the frequency. So minimum four and a half times per month, right, than they were before. The range here at Tapcart is a 3x increase in sessions per user compared to web to a 6x increase. And that's just sim simply as a function of the real estate you're living in on the home screen, not in the, not in the browser, right? So that's like metric number one where you'd see that incrementality when it comes to traffic. Next part is the conversion rate aspect of things. So now the customer downloads the app, right? What are they doing as an audience? Well, we removed two major friction points that exist on any website. Loading times, whether you're headless or not, loading times. And number two is the number of clicks to the checkout, right? We shrink that down from on average 10 to 14 for a given brand to one to two to three clicks. Both those, those friction points removed, conversion rates minimum 40% higher than are what are going to be on the website, right? And then lastly, you think of, okay, you bring those customers back more frequently. Those sessions in the app are converting at a higher conversion rate on web and at higher AOVs because the app just promotes higher AOVs by, by on average 22%. And we're going to extract two and a half X more revenue from your most loyal audience. In other words, you would be able to go in Shopify analytics, go into your customer data, run a bunch of co cohort analysis that says, you know, Anne, Mary, Adam and and uh, Susan download were you know shop the shop the brand one and a half times last year. Now they've downloaded the app 
and now they're on average shopping three and a half to four times per year, right? So you're going to be able to roll your sleeves up and see that cohort analysis inside the Shopify analytics dashboard as well, right? Because all that customer and account data is synced on app and, and the website. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I feel like I reference them on every podcast. I don't work with them. I'm just a fan of the brand. Um, I'm not wearing it today, but Represent, it's a UK-based fashion brand. Um, and I, I'm, I'm a big customer of theirs. I love their brand. Um, their app, uh, you know, it's interesting because, you know, to your point of like customer experience is, is customer experience versus transactional, but there's a transactional benefit because of the environment and the fact that, you know, you're reducing that load time, you're reducing those clicks to purchase everything else. But what they, what they've done in, in their app is it's a workout app, right? Because the brand is quite connected and synonymous to fitness. And so George, um, one of the founders posts, you know, his, his fitness routines. And then underneath it, it's like, here's the shorts I'm wearing. Here's the t-shirt I'm wearing. And it's, it, it's, it's cleverly done. You know, you've mentioned it a bunch of times, like, you know, SMS is super transactional because, you know, largely you kind of have to be to outweigh the cost of the sense, right? So you have to prove out that ROI um, with, with Tapcar without going into like financial models and stuff, but just from an overall consumer experience. When we, when we talk about it as less transactional, more an environment and community building, is, is that represent example where like the, the focal point isn't download our app because you can shop in a different environment. It's download our app because here's additional value we're giving you as a customer. Oh, and by the way, here's like some exclusives and some easy ways to shop our products. Is is that the the way people should be thinking about things when it comes to an app environment? Hundred percent, right? Represent is a is an amazing example of a, differentiating the experience in the app from the website, right? And focusing the app on de de uh, delivering additional value um, value adds for that customer, right? Something that they can't get anywhere else. So why would someone download that app is because they're getting an experience that they can't get anywhere else, right? Um, and so they've done an incredible job where it, you know, it puts the e-com a flavor there where they can check out in a fraction of the time it traditionally would take on, on any website. But at the end of the day, the emphasis of the app is not the shopping aspect, it's the content piece, it's the delivery, is their curated notification strategy. Like all of these things that are the, in the notification strategy is speaking to that customer depending on who they are, right? So that's the part where um, Represent is an amazing example of leveraging the app, creating a differentiated experience from the website. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I talk about this quite a bit on, you know, in, in every, to every brand that I talk to and quite a lot on LinkedIn, because to do that, you have to have a really good understanding or at least a decent hypothesis of who your customer is and therefore what those value adds, community building, loyalty building aspects of your brands are. Do you see what I mean? Like represent are quite specific on doing that around fitness because they know a large portion of their consumers are into that fitness world. So I think it's, it's just a really interesting point that, you know, that's where you see that loyalty building, but I think where brands need to be really certain is really understanding, well, our consumers care about this outside of our product. And so do you see what I mean? And, and be able to create that type of environment and value adds when they're thinking about, you know, not, not just a mobile app environment, but how they think through community and, and loyalty building. 
Absolutely. And knowing your customer is the key, I think, not just to the app side of the equation and how to build that community there, but virtually every aspect of the business, right? Building that absolutely perfect product, you need to know you know, how, how, you know, who your customer is so you can tailor it to them. How to build the most ideal customer experience as a whole in a holistic way. You really need to know who your customer is to understand what's going to resonate most of them and drive that loyalty, right? Um, so knowing that customer is key, I think that would be another thing I would add is when it comes to the app side, if you don't know who your customer is, apps probably not, you're not probably not ready for an app yet because the goal is to curate that personal experience that's speaking to that loyal customer. And if you don't know who that loyal customer is, how are, it's kind of a guessing game at that point, right? Um, that's clearly not the case with Represent. They they know exactly who their customer is. They know exactly who they're talking to. Um, and that's where, why their app has been so successful. But then when you think about like, it's it, ultimately it's the intersection of customer experience and a retention channel that, that customers grow to love, right? That they find it easier. I know I'm going to shop this brand a whole lot. I love the content that they're giving me. I love this experience that they're giving me. And I know when I shop there, it's going to it's going to be a frictionless experience as opposed to, you know, anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Neil, I thought this has been a masterclass on the, the whys and hows of, of a mobile app. Um, again, I know, uh, it, it, even across the clients that we work with, you know, it's, it's proving to be really beneficial around that customer attention, loyalty building piece. Um, to kind of uh, close things out, um, we'll, we'll, two, two last things. In the world of mobile apps, right, what are you most excited for in, in, in the future, whether that's short-term or long-term? Where do you see it evolving? I think mobile apps have been around for a while. I think we're seeing a larger momentum than ever before as an industry, largely because prior to 18, 24 months ago, no one really cared about retention. Right. Um, it, customer acquisition was so so cheap. Uh, customer acquisition was so cheap that retention didn't really matter. I could just keep repaying to reacquire that customer, and it wasn't a big deal. Uh, sorry, 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 sorry. It's almost wild how it seems like a new thing. You know, it, it, from like a, a, a broader conversation standpoint, you see people like, and I don't begrudge it because I totally understand. But the fact that retention is only becoming like a popular thing to me, it's always been that's the that's the sustainability of your business, right? Um, so sorry to interrupt, but it's just I think that's where the attention should not always be because acquisition is important. You can't retain customers you don't have, but um, you know for that to it, it's it. Well, I guess what I'm saying is it's very pleasing to see in our ecosystem and the broader ecosystem that retention is getting the the focus that I feel like it should always have had. Um, but anyway, carry out. <laughs> no, you're and you're absolutely right. And unfortunately, you know, it, it took a tough economy, iOS 14 changes, and all those things to to teach brands that retention is important. But again, it's better late than never because at the end of the day, when you focus on retention, you're also actually focusing on customer experience in that process, right? Developing a deeper connection with that customer, making the delivering the most value to that customer, deep, driving that loyalty. So in the end, it's going to be a huge driver. But I think that's where what I'm so excited about is that like brands are officially considering retention a critical part. You see more head of retention roles at brands than you ever did before. So those kind of concepts are are really exciting. So I think uh, mobile apps as a category has fallen in, into this unique tailwind where customer acquisition has become so expensive. So when, when that customer does come into the funnel, how do we make the most of that so it ends up becoming a profitable customer in the process? It's not profitable at that first transaction. It's profitable at transaction two, three, and four. How do we deliver that? Then you combine that with the recessionary environment. Um, it's tough to you know have uh, you know uh, uh, 
you know, costs going through the roof, margins getting thinner. So how do you make it the most of all of those channels to drive a higher ROI? And then, and then lastly, it comes down to um, understanding that to be truly omnichannel, I don't think anyone can be truly omnichannel if you don't have an app that is fundamentally so easy, that that's the easiest possible channel to launch more than a website, more than a retail store, more than any other, uh, more than Amazon, so much easier. How can you call yourself omnichannel without that touch point? And now that's gaining greater momentum. So I think that's what I'm most excited about. Amazing. Yeah, I love that. I agree with all your points. Um, amazing. Neil, super helpful. I always learn so much, even though, like I said, we're using Tapcart, a lot of our brands are. Um, if people want to connect with you, uh, where should they go? And if people want to learn more about mobile apps and what Tapcart offers in the, in the marketplace, where should they go? You can find me on LinkedIn, always. Um, as far as Tapcart, tapcart.com. Always happy to engage in a conversation. Just let me know. But uh, thank you so much, Daniel. This was absolutely awesome. I love the work that you do. I admire the work that you do. You've done some incredible work, brought in some extreme brilliance to a lot of brands that have had a lot of success. And it's just a you know a privilege to be here today and have a chat with you. I appreciate you, man. Likewise, likewise, the sentiment is uh, exactly the same to you. Thank you so much, Neil. I appreciate your time. All right. Thanks so much. Have a good day.